Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Took us less than two weeks to end our college tennis hiatus, bring back the college tennis holy trinity as we had one of the best events, in my opinion, on the college tennis calendar. The ITA kickoff weekend draft officially in the books. We know our 15 host sites for both the Division I men's and Division I women's 2022 college tennis kickoff weekend now. That event isn't for another six months. But in the meantime, to offer our initial reactions, talk about the latest news happening across the college tennis world, and offer our far too soon top 10 college tennis division one men's tennis rankings are the other two members of our Crack Rackets College Tennis Holy Trinity. Let's start where we always start. You know him as a former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, your favorite writer on our website, CrackedRackets.com, the other half of of Nick, excuse me, Stachowiak. It's Matt the Crack Stachowiak. Two weeks off. I'm already rusty, Matty. Hey, great shot to you. Great to see your smiling face, my friend. How you doing? Doing great, man. It's uh, that was a short little hiatus. I mean, I, I can't <laughs> believe we're already back on here. I thought Chris and I were going to get a little bit of a break, but um, I, I guess that's not the case. But you know, it's it's a good thing, man. The kickoff weekend, like you mentioned, that's uh, always one of our favorite events, and I was just excited to see you know, the full bracket again. I mean, last year was fun. It was so competitive, but it was just seven host sites, right? Now we got all 15, 60 participating teams uh, that are going to happen during the kickoff weekend. So yeah, man, it was great. And uh, already looking forward to, to this season. No, it snuck up on us. And of course, you know, they figure out the kickoff order, the host sites, the draft rank uh, by the previous year's year end rankings. And I felt like we had another week or two and we were going to be able to work in a preview show, offer our projections of where everything was going to unfold. Of course, the way this year's schedule went down, you know, two weeks of NCAAs to start May. Then we go right into the French Open. Now we're back here at the kickoff weekend draft. We just unfortunately didn't have time to do that. And since, you know, I have you back here on the microphone, I did try to give you a couple weeks off, not bother you too much during the French Open. Novak breaks Rafa for number 19, Maddie feel like for now he's put that GOAT conversation to rest, and he's pretty securely in that pole position. Yeah, I saw – I've seen your tweets, Gruskin. I've, I've been <laughs> following along and everything, and as much as I hate to say it, you know, I I actually I agree. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I really do. I, I, I think the numbers – and, you know, look, for me, Roger is always going to be my GOAT, just personally, my all-time favorite player. There's no question about it to me. Roger Federer is always the GOAT, but but if we're being that's just that's total bias. I mean, if we're being completely <laughs> honest, yeah, you're you're right. I mean, Novak has has taken a hold of that. I, I think it's 
it's uh, it's deserving and the numbers, stats back it all up. So, and he's not done yet. That's the other thing. I'm just ready to see if he can actually win the Grand Slam and take home Wimbledon in the U.S. Open as well. That would be a hell of a deal. For sure. I was also a little bit afraid that Krejcikova Pavlichenkova was going to break your brain as a women's singles final because you're like an unseeded player versus a 20 seed. What's going on here? Hated it. Hated it. <laughs> yeah, you. I, I'm glad you didn't uh, you hit me up on that one. That was uh, that was tough for me to see. That man. God. Yeah, but Krejcikova can play, man. Hershey yeah. is such a well-rounded skill set. Yeah, she obviously look at the Dubs <laughs> results as well. Yeah, I know for sure. And shout out to the 95s because between her, Jennifer Brady, Sakari, Conteve, Mertens, that's my crew. We, we show out strong. But speaking of statistics, speaking of numbers, and you know, speaking of someone who's been enjoying his two-week hiatus and thinks now he doesn't have to text us back in the group whenever we send a plethora of message. Also joining us here on the podcast today, the third member of our College Tennis Holy Trinity. Unfortunately, I may have forgotten Maddie's uh, name, but I'm never going to forget this introduction. You know him as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions never far from the listed UTR one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames lover of mothers lover of almond joys the snitch the professor he quotes Henry Ford his life is run by his wife his shoulders now both work and when he's at the grocery store he hears go vols ladies and gentlemen it's Chris Halioris Chris hey great shot to you as always my friend how are you doing Oh, I'm doing good. It's uh, you know, fi- nice to get back to it. I guess uh, you know the break, the break was nice. I have to admit, uh, you know, and, and it, it's not just you. I ignore. I'll, I'll start right out and and apologize to multiple. I know, I know. Right now, there's, and I don't know if they listen, but I've got multiple requests from actually all factions. I've got fans. I've got coaches uh, <laughs> that have sent me requests for hey. Will you help look at my schedule? Or, hey, uh, will you? Will you? The, the, some of it was draft related, uh, and others were. Uh, I need some advice for scheduling this. I've not answered anything. I was like, hey, okay. these two weeks, these two weeks off are great. I'm going to use them. And yeah, now you, you probably spoiled it. Now I probably have to get back to it. So I am so happy you said that, Chris. You know what? You're forgiven for not responding to my text messages because. I did the exact same thing. And I'm not going to name any names, but we'll call him uh, uh, Jerry Haydoon. Um, he has not received a text back from me in like two weeks. And it's just because I'm like, oh, I'm at home. I'm watching the French show. But I'm also just like, I need two weeks, man. I just like give me two weeks to myself. I love all of you still. Let me be clear. And I'm flattered to be texted. And I have responded to some, not others. But you'll get like two or three responses from me. And then unfortunately, I just I zone out because it's been I agree with you. It, it has been, again, uh, we went nonstop for like seven months. Uh, you know, every week firing out podcasts. And so, yeah, I was a little bit afraid, Chris, that you just were done with me. You're like, do I really like Gruskin? Like, I'm not sure. Oh, it's, yeah, it's just so nice to have that, that little break. But, uh, yeah, you know, now the, the just seeing the draft and watching it happen, you know, just all the juices get going again. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure it's t- time to time to do a little more, and then we'll get another little break till at least, uh, you know, fall tournament play starts. I- I'm not going to lie. I was really happy. And again, I'm not going to reveal the rumors that we were discussing in our three-person group chat, but a certain player popped on the transfer uh, wire 
and I knew if I sent that text that it was going to get a response from Chris. So I was like, I am 100% sending this in the group because I need a response from Chris because I need to schedule this goddamn podcast. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, it's, no, it's been a break all the way around. And of course, as you mentioned, what we're here to do today is to recap the ITA kickoff weekend draft, talk about the biggest surprises. We broke it down. We're not going to go through all 15 regions. We'll save that. Until we're a little bit closer to the event, say, January 2022. So we'll save that for next year. Lol, that's a funny thing to say out loud. But I do want to talk through some questions. So the things we're going to be answering here today, and this is the first time Matt and Chris are going to hear these questions. Most difficult region, most surprising region, most watchable region, most intriguing first-round matches, and then schools we have on upset alert. We're also going to play a game of Does It Matter? Talking about the many transfers that have happened over the past two weeks and really month since this season ended because, again, until all the players influenced by that COVID season are phased out of college tennis, that transfer wire is going to be popping. So we're going to play a game of Does It Matter, talk about some of the other coaching news that's happening around the country, and then, of course, get into our way too early top 10 rankings. We're going to do all of that, by the way, in 35 minutes. No longer 9.30 ending, guys. You're right. I lied to you, but we're going to get it done by 9.40. That is my promise to all of you because I do want to keep it in an off-season mode here. Of course, the reason we're able to pop in, you know, on-season, off-season, do what we do here on the Great Shot Podcast is because of the support we get from all of you listeners, from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, and of course, because of the support we get from our friends at Turn of Tennis. Keep it simple. Sales at uniquesports.com, 800-554-3707. You mentioned Crack Racket sent you. You'll get college pricing or free samples. It's Turn of Tennis, sales at uniquesports.com, or 800-554-3707. With that in mind, let's get into our uh, our recap of the ITA kickoff weekend. And again, we're just talking men's on this one. I'm going to do a separate podcast talking about the women's and all the transfers, everything happening in the women's Division One game because things are popping just as much, coaching openings, et cetera, et cetera. But again, let's focus on the men's side today. And let's just start, let's get right into it. Most difficult region because you look at this and just I guess I should uh, provide a bit more context as Maddie mentioned at the top we've expanded the ITA field back to where it normally is we're back to 15 host sites the men's event next year going to be in Seattle so it's the University of Washington that gets that by directly into the final 16 here were your 15 hosts over the course of the event Florida number one Uh, just assume I'm going one to 15 seats here Florida Baylor, Texas, Tennessee, TCU, North Carolina, Virginia, Texas A&M, Georgia, USC, UCF, Wake Forest, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Let's actually start there. I'm going to go with you here, Maddie. Given the changes we have coming up the horizon, given, again, the transfers, the graduations, etc., etc., we talk about this every year. Should the final rankings actually be used to seed the host sites? Because does it provide the most accurate field? You look at the 15 hosts we have this year. Who's snubbed and how accurate are these 15 hosts in terms of being the top 15 schools in the country? Yeah, I mean, I think it's fairly accurate. I mean, there's obviously teams that were really good last year that 
there's going to be a drop off, right? I mean, we look at teams like Texas A&M, who is a top 10 team. They're the number eight team here. Uh, but I think if I'm not mistaken, they were the first region to actually fill up um, because they're losing the, the entire top half of their lineup. So, you know, that's a school where you go, eh, I mean, should they really be hosting? And, you know, again, you look at Ole Miss, Mississippi State coming in there at 14, 15, I think there's some other schools that would like to have a say there, right? I mean, again, you look at a Stanford or an Arizona or an Ohio State, teams like that, you know, that didn't end last year in that top 15 that probably feel like, hey, come on, you know, we're, we're going to be up in that top 15, no question about it. So, yeah, this happens every year. There's always teams that host that you know, a couple of them that probably shouldn't be. And then there's some snubs, a couple of teams that you go, man, I mean, they should really probably be hosting, but you know, I, I don't know what else you can do. Right. I mean, the ITA, you kind of have to go off those rankings unless they were to call us up. Right. And say, Hey, Matt, <laughs> Gruskin, Chris, what do you guys think? Come up with your top 15 and then we'll use those hosts instead, you know, barring anything like that happening. Right. I don't see how they can change it. So overall I'm good with it. I'm just happy to see all 15 hosts. I'm going to say there's a 2.2% chance that in the many DMS, Chris has ignored that question was asked like, Hey, can you send me please like your top 15 list just so we can add that coagulate it with our numbers but look this decision these host sites are the final manifestation of the big 10 getting screwed over with the 2021 protocols let's just be honest here illinois not a host site ohio state not a host site you could argue those two who are in the sweet 16 alongside of Ole miss and mississippi state and with all due respect in particular to Ole miss who lose reynolds and san cullen like ohio state is like what do we have to do to be a host site how do we not slide into one of those two spots and then the other one to your point maddie is stanford if you're looking for the most accurate host sites in my opinion we're two schools off now let's be clear 13 of 15, it's pretty damn good. And given what UCF accomplished last year, I know we all think the camps isn't going to come back, but UCF has earned the right to be one of those host schools, in my opinion. We definitely got a little SEC happy, and we definitely, this is where you just make one, two adjustments. That would be my thing, Maddie. I see you again before we bring in Chris, your thoughts. Yeah, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I, I have no problem with what you're saying. I, I agree as well. It's just, it's, for them to, you know, pick and yeah. choose, I mean, someone's always going to be upset then, right? Because then you're Ole Miss and you're, you're Mississippi State going, what the hell? You're going to pull it. We earned that top 15 seed by virtue of what we did last year. Now you're just going to yank us out of there. So, I mean, again, I hear what you're saying. I do not totally disagree, but I just, I don't know how feasible it really is. Chris? Uh, yeah, absolutely not. It's, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a fan of laying the rules out and sticking to the rules there. Otherwise there's favoritism, you know, or the perception of favoritism one way or the other. It's always been this way. You've always got schools that graduate three guys and that's the first team that everybody picks on. But we all know that that's what it's going to be before the year even starts. We know, Hey, come the year end, if you're top 15, you get to host next year. So, you know, in addition to trying to host for an NCAA spot, you're also looking to host, uh, the kickoff weekend next year and i i don't there's no way i would be in favor of any sort of manual adjustment uh to, to that i mean obviously you can make your argument much like this year maybe from a covid perspective you know if, if people were were screwed but outside of that 
just in general going, ah, yeah, I don't know, Ole Miss lost Sandville and, and, and Reynolds. Maybe they – no, I, absolutely not. They That happens all the time, and they deserve their – they earn the right to be there. They should be there. I, I don't disagree that it's not a graduation issue. Where I disagree is – this is this could potentially, by the way, be the second straight year Ohio State's boxed out of the final eight, uh, final site of the national indoors. And if you're a Buckeye or a Buckeye fan or head coach Ty Tucker, you're thinking like, man, what do we have to do? We go to Wake Forest in the NCAA tournament. We beat them. And we should have proven we're a host site. And traditionally, there is always going to be at least one Big Ten top 15 seed. Now, again, we're looking historically, and we're going to allow we're going to allow Columbia to come in. We're going to allow Princeton to come in. We're going to allow Harvard to come in. We're not going to give the Big Ten one host site, and we're going to give the SEC seven. Like that's kind of bullshit. I, I have no sympathy whatsoever. If Ohio State does not make the final site or the the indoors next year. It's because of the pick they made. Why the heck they did not take the three seed at Ole Miss? I have no idea. That is beyond me. They go and choose to play at North Carolina. If they end up with North Carolina and lose, sorry, Ty, you got what you deserve. All right. Well, with that in mind, then let's get right into it. Let's start talking about the most difficult regions. And you look up and down the board. And again, it's not as though I disagree with the decision. To your point, I always will respect the fact that the IT laid out the rules. They followed the rules. That's all you can ask for. That's what they did. The decision's been made. And again, you look at these regions, we've got a lot of excitement to discuss. But you talk about the most difficult regions and certainly the most head-scratching decisions we saw throughout this ITA kickoff weekend draft. You knew North Carolina was going to get targeted because they've lost Sondergaard, they've lost Peck, and then obviously they lose the 10-time All-American in Will Blumberg. It's also a big question. Is Rinky Hijikata coming back? This is a guy who's won matches at the Australian Open qualifying back-to-back years. It's a legitimate question to ask. You knew they were going to get targeted even though they're number six seed. They were one of those teams that, as always, uh, schools were going to jump on early. Arizona State at number 20, which is the fourth overall pick in this draft, had the opportunity to do so. They jump on it immediately. Then to Chris's point, head-scratching decision from Ohio State, who even if you look at Arizona State and say, okay, they had a couple of older, you know, no more pond with, no more rule. Uh, is Mackey at two? Uh, was he a senior? Does he got one He's more? Gone. Yeah, He's so gone. Top three gone. Even if that's your justification, you had so many different spots still open on the board, to your point. And you look at some of the regions, some of the spots, uh, the places that were available. I mean, uh, you you know, they could have gone to Texas A&M, as you mentioned, be the third team there. They could have gone to Ole Miss, been the third team there. Now, they probably are like, ah, we'll see Illinois later. Maybe not do that. But Starkville, third team there. And you still have Kentucky and Mississippi State, who probably on the same tier as North Carolina, maybe. But, you know, that at least you're not playing the Tar Heels at home. Chris, you opened up the line of dialogue. Your thoughts on the thinking there and just your reaction to it. Yeah, I don't like it. I mean, because I look at it this way. I don't I don't know what North Carolina is going to have, but Ohio State knows what Illinois has. Yeah. They know what Ole Miss has. And so the question to me is, without being on the board at that point in time, do they think they have a better chance to beat a North Carolina? And I'm not saying it's a given they beat Arizona State, even though they do. But... Uh, <laughs> 
you know, you're, you're looking to win the whole region. So the toughest team in the region being, you know, outside of them being North Carolina, do you think you have a better shot to beat North Carolina at North Carolina or Illinois slash Ole Miss? And in my mind, they should, they look at that and go, Oh, I'll take Illinois Ole Miss all day long. It's an interesting thing, and of course, indoors, outdoors, it does vary from site to site. Chapel Hill, indoor site. Mississippi, actually, an indoor site as well. Want to get your reaction on this selection, Maddie? Because certainly, again, you look at the first picks, and just to recap, Arizona goes to Texas A&M, who, in losing Vashiro, Habib, and Aguilar, that was the obvious pick. That's where Arizona was always going to go. There was never a doubt there. Illinois then goes to Ole Miss. Again, no Reynolds, no Sand Cullen. Think you can understand that one. Kentucky going to Mississippi State was certainly interesting. Them, UCF, both on the board. You you can make an argument if DeCaps doesn't come back, that UCF team a little bit more vulnerable. Uh, but look, Kentucky goes to Mississippi State. Stanford yeah, you goes. Number, you, you lose your number one at Mississippi State too. So yeah, right. Geo gone, and so again, it's 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 splitting hairs there. And then so you know, Kentucky goes there. Stanford, obvious. In two minutes, they're like, we're going to UCF. And again, it's nice to see the geographical and scheduling requirements of 2021 have been waived for 2022. But then, like, I can even understand Arizona State trying to push North Carolina, two inexperienced teams. Ohio State was the first linchpin one. And then Oklahoma State going to Texas, we can talk about as the most puzzling (laughs) later on, because that was just like, huh. Yeah, I was like, yeah, Yeah. I was like, all right. Dustin Taylor, welcome to college tennis. Um, but Maddie, your reaction to that Ohio State selection? Yeah, I mean, to me, it just looks like maybe they they wanted to avoid Illinois, right? And didn't want to play that early season mm-hmm. Big Ten match at the kickoff weekend. I mean, because it was right there for them. Both sites were indoors. So it's not, this isn't an indoor-outdoor thing like you brought up. Both indoor sites, um, you know, again, I think Arizona State, it's, it's going to be rough for them. They lose a ton of guys out of their lineup, maybe even their top four guys um, for them. I don't know what the status on Andrea Bola is either, but I mean, their top three or four are going to be gone. So I understand playing that matchup. That's good for Ohio State, especially indoors. But, uh, you know, Ty Tucker, I mean, he's going to go in there with supreme confidence and say, hey, UNC, you don't have Will anymore. You don't have Peck. You don't have Simon. We're going to come in here and just take you guys out. I mean, I don't have a major problem with it. I'm actually excited to watch it. I I can't wait. I think that's going to be such a fun match. I'm really looking forward to it. The only thing that I can think of is, hey, they just didn't want to go play that early season Big Ten match against Illinois and let the Illini get any looks at them, you know, because we know they're going to play several times throughout the season. You know, maybe there's a reason why, Ty was looking to avoid that matchup. I don't know. No, it's all fair points to say. And again, uh, they don't get another team until Northwestern later on. So they do get a second Big Ten team in that region. But, you know, unlikely that the Cats and the Buckeyes end up playing. Although the Cats going to be pretty good next year. But that's a story, again, as we get closer to the actual start of the season. Let's talk about, again, how the rest of the draft unfolds. You look at it, the two regions that fill up quickest— 
A&M, Arizona, Texas Tech, UCLA. That was the fastest. Then Ole Miss, Illinois, NC State, Oklahoma State, your second fastest. Uh, I'll start with you on this one, Chris. Is that your most difficult region right there, either of those two, be it the Texas A&M or the Ole Miss, or do you think it's a different one? What is your most difficult region in this kickoff draft? Well, I mean, define most difficult, most competitive. I mean, the levelest set of teams. The I mean, I don't think... Uh, yes, the levelest set of teams. Of course, you have to challenge my definition. Oh, the professor, what does he mean most Well, difficult? I didn't know. No, yeah, you're right. It's know. a fair question to ask. Yeah, legitimately. No, I just miss you. Sure. You know that. I mean, most difficult, obviously, you can go out. Hell, Florida. it's going to be hard to win at Florida. Florida. Or <laughs> yeah, of course. Right? Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, the, I mean, I guess the the most level of, yes. of talent or most level. I, yeah, I think, uh, man, I don't know. If, if you ask me most level i might even I, I would i might throw the mississippi state region in there as well uh-huh. um i think the i i think that's a, a pretty level region i i feel like arizona actually well you know they they lose a couple guys yeah that that i think you're right the a&m i mean we knew a&m and old miss were going to be the quickest to to fill that was you know that was kind of a given and followed by UCF and and Mississippi State. I don't know if they filled in that order. I don't think they filled in that order, but those were kind of the order to to pick on teams. I was a little I won't even say a little. I was very surprised how quick people jumped on Georgia. Uh but uh but yeah, I think those are probably the levelest uh if you will of regions uh, in in those that filled up first, being A&M and A&M and Old Miss and then I'll throw Mississippi State in there too. No, that's a Gruskin answer. Hedging your bets, picking a couple. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, Maddie, your thoughts as well? I'll pick one. I think it's Ole Miss. I, sure. I, I do. This is my thought all the way. I mean, you look at these four teams, Ole Miss, Illinois, NC State, Oklahoma. On first glance, we probably think, okay, indoor site, Illinois may have a slight edge here over those other three teams. But again, they lose Kova. They lose Zeke. It's not going to be the same Illinois team that we just saw this past year. So I think when you're looking at those four teams, it is going to be razor tight. And I mean, I don't know who's going to come out of that that Oxford region. So to me, that's the one that I look at that I think is going to be the most closely contested. I I agree, and I'll use... Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Maddie. Um, No, I would agree with you, and I would use this to transition into our upset alert region. Oklahoma can win this region. Like, let's just say it out front, because as you mentioned, Kova, Zeke lost, I think, a combined three times for the Illini last year. Ole Miss, San Cullen Reynolds did so much of the heavy lifting, particularly at that number one doubles position as well. NC State, no Lexi. They lose a bunch of their guys as well. That generation of NC State players are gone. At least there's some continuity with Oklahoma. And it's just like, again, in terms of the upset alert, I mean, Michigan-Wake Forest is the obvious one, right? Because if Michigan can beat Wake Forest in that first match, they could just straight up make the national indoors. And wouldn't that be poetic? Baylor comes to Michigan, wins as a number four seed. Michigan goes to Wake Forest and pays it forward, wins as a number one seed. And because I know some of you listeners are thinking it, are we going to talk about it? We can do it now. Was I furious when the board opened up the way it did? And I was like, yeah, we're either going to North Carolina or we're going to Winston Salem. It's just like those are both indoor sites, which is why you knew it. Um, we pick Wake Forest because it's like, all right, you get a doubles point. Now you just got to find three in singles. And I know that's really, really difficult to do, but like that's an upset alert. 
I suppose hypothetically if Arkansas beat a Mississippi State or like I mean the the real crazy one if you're if I'm three shots deep and you want me to make a funny case, it would be Harvard over USC or Columbia over Texas. And I'd have to be wasted. And because, again, those are two outdoor matches as well. But those are two Ivy League teams we just haven't seen in forever. And, like, they are going to be nipping at the bit to play a college tennis match, particularly at this stage. And we know how good Columbia has been traditionally over the kickoff weekend. Now, again, they're outdoors, but... I guess upset alert, I'd go in that order. I'd say Oxford number one because I don't think it's Ole Miss coming out of that region. I don't consider Mississippi State losing an upset. I'd say Michigan two. And I'll just throw Harvard at three because I want a text from Macy. So Harvard at three. Maddie, I'll go to you next. What do you say? Time out here, Groskin. You didn't mention either of the other two that I think. No, because Stanford doesn't count. Like to oh, me, yeah. And okay. Ari- and Arizona. What is Stanford and Arizona? The two I didn't mention. Yeah, because those aren't even upsets. It's like I would be more surprised if those two well, teams don't advance. Well, right. Okay, that's fair. But I'm just saying, what's your no, definition right. of an upset? Because according to the rank, according to the seeds, those to me, those are obvious upset upset alerts. So yeah, no, yeah, that's I, fair. But I guess for me, it's a presumption. It's like if Stanford doesn't get through, I would be shocked. Arizona as well. So I imagine, Matt, okay. you feel the same way. Yeah, fair, fair enough. I just didn't know. I didn't know what, how we were going about that. But yeah, you're right. No, for sure. So then outside of those two, give me your list. Um, well, Ole Miss, Ole Miss for sure. Um, Starkville, I think Mississippi State's on upset alert with Kentucky in there. Absolutely. Um, and, and yeah, I think you have to say Wake Forest um, is, is a team. You know, Michigan indoors is going to come in there and I think have an edge in dubs. And like you said, if they find three, I definitely think that's upset alert. I'm not going to put USC on upset alert at home, outdoors, Harvard. Yeah. No, I'm not going there. I, I don't think any of the top five, I mean, Ohio State, how about Chapel Hill? Does oh, that, that's does a good that count? Uh, yes, that does count. That was an oversight by me. That's a very okay. good one. More okay. likely to advance, Ohio State or Michigan? Uh, more likely to advance? Ooh. Two weeks off, I've been working on my questions. It's- God, man. I, I don't, I don't want to say Michigan just because you're here. <laughs> like, I want to say Ohio State, but I don't know if that's totally true. Chris? I think Michigan has it. I think Michigan has a legitimate shot. Chris, be the tiebreaker. Yeah, I, I, I would say Michigan just because of all the unknowns with Wake. I mean, hell, there's unknowns with North Carolina too. But, uh, but I, I would, I would still. I don't even know. Don't even know who's going to be there. And half the time they show up in <laughs> January, and that's not good. I, I, Wake to me is very, very iffy. By the end of the year, will they be good? Sure. Will they be great at the end of January? Probably not. Yeah. So I'd, I'd give Michigan the, the the odds on favorite there to, to be the best, you know, between those two for advancing, but both have great chances. No doubt about that. And again, in terms of the broader upsets, Chris, I'll give you Arizona over Texas A&M. And I do think despite losing some seniors at the bottom of their lineup, Arizona is the favorite in that region for sure. Stanford over UCF, we don't need to talk about that one. Those other three regions we've discussed, though, Oxford, Starkville, and then, of course, uh, well, I guess those are really the two, Oxford and Starkville. How do you see it all breaking down? Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be really interesting. I'm, I'm with you in that I think you could make a case 
it's going to be really tough to pick the winner in Oxford. I think most people are going to say Kentucky's coming out of Starkville. Um, now, I would still say, but I, I do think it's kind of, you know, there's the top three there could could all do it. I'm not sure what Arkansas has got coming in. I know Bama's obviously got the kid that made the finals of the French Open doubles juniors this year, so that's a great ad there. Um I, but I think there's. I think it's probably a better than fifty percent chance that neither one of the two hosts come out you know, of those two. Um, I'm with you there. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Again, upset alert, and it's really tough. And, to and make... you were talking about USC and jokingly because of Harvard. I think the the danger there is Pepperdine. It's Pepperdine. Yep. Yeah, that's a really good a really good team. Uh, and so that you know, again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick USC to get upset. But it's very interesting. I mean, obviously, when they're losing their top two, uh, they've got, I know, one known recruit coming in. I'm not sure who else, Coach Macy, and I'm sure, uh, you know, when you're losing Kukerman and Riley, he's, you know, he's scouring the portal for grad transfers. They and, got and one other transfer as well. I forget who it is, but they did announce a transfer for USC. We'll get there and does it matter or not. Yeah, Sam so, Rubel from Duke. Sam Rubel, thank you. Ah, okay. Oh, great. I like I like that. Uh for other reasons, obviously, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think that is a, uh, that's a, and, and Pepperdine even beat a shorthanded USC this year. Right. And you say, ah, oh, they were shorthanded. Well, guess what? They're missing Kukerman and Smith next year. So, uh, it's no, it's no gimme if you will. So I do, I like that, that region for that reason too. Yeah, and I don't, and I'll throw another one out there that I think it's, I don't think yeah, they're, yeah. they're going to be an upset, but what could be interesting that no one's even going to think about Florida state. I mean, Florida state is bringing in a kid that's, you know, a ATP player, right. Uh, top four or 500. He's a, you know, over 14 UTA kid that could be top 10 in the ITA fresh as first year. Um, they don't have the six that Florida has obviously, but it could make for an interesting, uh, interesting set of circumstances. Florida state's got like four international kids coming. I think only the one with a big pedigree, but, uh, you know, for a team that everyone's going to just lock up Florida, I guarantee you, you know, if we talk to coach stump, he's already going to be giving you the, Oh man, you better look at what Florida state's got kind of deal. But, uh, it's not one that you're going to look past too quickly. Well, Florida State's got dubs there already. I'm putting them up 1-0 for the for the Knowles. So the Gators just have to win four singles. But I mean, that usually works out for them. So no, I think I was going to say then there's a 1.6 percent chance Sam Riffis is in Australia that weekend. So 1.6 percent. But well, you know, it's an interesting call, Chris. I don't hate it. I was kind of hoping you were going to troll and say like, "Oh, the Baylor Bears." Like, we don't even know what Baylor's four, five, and six. Like, yeah, bro. There's no chance. In, but, I've yeah. been, all along, I've said uh, you guys can all pick on Baylor, and I'm the guy that was like the Baylor hater this year. I I think they're going to be better than everybody thinks they're going to be because everybody wants to talk about the grads that they were losing at four, five, and six. And I just, I mean, I think they're going to be a really good team again. Uh, so I don't. I think they have no problem whatsoever. I'm sure maybe you have that on your list to talk about in you know the the cleanest sweeps. I think they get out of there with zero damage. Can uh, I? You know, 
Can I just say cleanest sweeps was not one of my categories, but that's why I missed you because it definitely should have been. Um, I like that category. And the answer, yeah, like, it might be Texas because they're like <laughs> – Oh, no. Well, no, I'm not going to go there just because I don't know what Columbia's got. But I, sure. outside of that, yes. But no, I'll tell you, the, the other region I really like for that is Tennessee. Yeah, they're going to kill everyone. Uh, no, yeah, I mean – Fort Worth. Fort Worth for sure. Oh, and then, yeah, and then the, the the same thing in yeah at TC. Although, although I think you know, there's some good there's some good play talent at Wichita State, but I'm not sure who they've lost. But uh, but I know with the with the kid they had come in this year uh, or coming in is that that's a good team. But yeah, that's another one. I think yeah, I think you know Baylor, Tennessee, TCU all got you know you know straight well, and and honestly probably Virginia at home as well. They all got direct, you know, 4040 advance, please. Hey, Cracked fans. Before we get back to today's episode, I just want to let all of you listeners know that all of the content we produce here at CR is made possible due to the support we get from our friends over at Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming equipment in the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That's right, folks. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. And in a twist of poetic justice, I think our friends at Manscaped know the grass court season is upon us here in the tennis world. In honor of that grass court season, they just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the Lawnmower 4.0. You can join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their most sensitive region of their body with this exclusive offer for you. You can get 20% off and free world Worldwide shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com. That's right. They let us stick with a tennis theme. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com. And look, a little personal testimonial. I think anyone who's met me in two seconds will be like, eyebrows, thick, legs, very hairy. Guess what? It looks that way everywhere, folks. And I can tell you firsthand, Manscaped gets the job done. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com and make shaving time your favorite time. Manscaped.com. The promo code is NEWBALLSPLEASE. Last three questions for you all. Most surprising uh, region. To me, I'm going to veer here in a different direction. It's South Carolina for me. The respect shown by all of these coaches, all of these programs for the Gamecocks and their region, and they're one of those outdoor sites despite the fact they should have an indoor facility ready, but you know they didn't get selected until number 36 Duke goes to town. And you know it's Duke, Liberty, LSU— that's a pretty favorable draw for the Gamecocks. Uh, you're our SEC correspondent, Chris. So I'm going to go to you first. Why was that the case? Well, it's the case because the only guy they lost was Thomas Brown, who was a you know sometimes player, and then you bring in James Story from from Memphis, who was their number one and a highly touted junior uh, coming in. So that's a that's a team that went from being on the verge of a top ten team and adding another high high caliber you know they they were in the they were already at the point where they were basically uh, a top four and then you know who you know what do they get at five and six and they had uh, with lambling already down to four you're adding one to that mix and going the top five are just dead nuts solid 
that's 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 why nobody wanted to go there. Maddie, completely agree. I'm not shocked by this at all. South Carolina is going to be a very very good team, and I love their chances in this region. I mean, I. I really don't think they're going to get tested much. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't. I, I like the way that this sets up for them. The Duke Liberty match could be interesting in the first round. Again, LSU, that's a familiar common SEC opponent. I don't think the Gamecocks will have any trouble with them. Um, and then, you know, whether they play Duke or Liberty, I would favor Duke um, over Liberty. But, you know, again, I, I think it's going to be pretty clean for for South Carolina. I'm, I like them this year. They're going to be a force in the SEC. I I can't compliment. I can't say things anymore without getting in trouble. I'll just say this: Josh Goffey is the hottest coaching candidate across the board in all college of men's college tennis right now. The job he has done in South Carolina is exceptional, and I'm not saying a job opening is even going to come. But if a big program opened up, I guarantee you he will be in on their short list. And it's just interesting because if South Carolina doesn't take care of him he's going to get calls. And so I just, until he starts telling people, no, I'm a, I'm a Gamecock for life now, uh, it's an interesting thing just to take note. I, I agree with you guys. I think South Carolina's in for a really, really good season. And by the way, their past two seasons have featured an NCAA singles champion and an NCAA singles finalist. So I agree with you guys there. Most watchable region. Again, These are this is a rapid fire one. I'll start with you, Maddie. What do you think? I mean, again, I look at Oxford just because those four teams, I want to watch all four matches. I really do. Illinois, NC State in the first round, and then Ole Miss and Oklahoma. In the reverse, whoever we get in the consolation, you know, and then the the championship match. So for me, all four of those matches in Oxford, I want to watch. Mm-hmm. Good call, Chris. Yeah, outside of that, I think uh, I would lean either South Carolina or Starkville. Uh, I, I think the, uh, I think all the matches. It's uh, like Maddie. So I agree with Maddie. South Carolina is probably going to walk away uh, with with their two matches. I think the other two matches will will both be very good matches uh, that I'd like to watch. And then Starkville. I think. I mean, it's an all. How could I not like that? It's an all SEC region. Uh, so Where are you I, going, Columbia or Starkville? Initial reaction. Columbia for sure. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I have two families, but one of them's blood. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a fair answer. No, I think those are both good choices. Chris, can I get your two seconds on the Georgia region? Because you brought it up for a second. South Florida, Virginia Tech, VCU. It's I think the second region to fill up. That yeah, was surprising. That, that when you were, I was going to go there when because you asked about kind of you know surprising takes. That's a surprising take. Maybe not so much that you know, the 14th, it took until the 14th pick to get someone to go there. But the fact that it filled up so fast after that makes you think that, you know, teams were thinking, Hey, it's somewhere we have a chance. I have no idea why any of those teams think they're going to beat Georgia. Yes. We all know there's somebody that's, that's in the portal there. That's probably not coming back, but they're adding Hamish Stewart from Tulane. They're adding Tristan McCormick from Notre Dame to you know what they already had at the top of that lineup i mean come on that that's a that is a good team that is clearly on paper outclassing everybody else in that region i have no idea why teams filled that region up so quick maddie i see you scratching your forehead do you agree well i kind of 
they're playing indoors, which is interesting. It's going to be indoors in Athens. They only have four courts at that facility, right? So that's just kind of an interesting little twist. I don't know. Again, I think George is probably going to be a better outdoor team. And, and you know, I don't know, man. Virginia Tech, Southwood, they're probably looking at this just going, hey, I mean – we might have a shot. I I don't know. I, I wasn't totally shocked by it. I still think George is going to get through. I mean, I, I don't think any of those other teams are, are going to come out of that region. But, you know, I don't know. It's an indoor site for one. So I think that may have something to do with it. Again, kind of the whole four-court facility. Do those teams trust kind of their the top half of their lineup a little more than the lower part of their lineup? I don't know what it is. Um, but I'll still, I'll still take Georgia for sure. Yeah, I think I, I again I wasn't as surprised like Maddie said with with you know South Florida at the 14th pick going there not a huge surprise and then at that point a team like Virginia Tech is probably looking across the board going look we're not we're not winning and in, in all likelihood we're not winning one of these regions so let's get a good competitive first match in yeah and that's a and that's a great spot for them the head scratcher for me is VCU deciding to fill it up when they did? I mean, look, Starkville was still open when they picked. You're telling me you'd rather, and you were going to be the four seed in either place. You'd rather play Georgia than Mississippi State? I I don't get it. I mean, yeah. you think, guys, ge- you think still, geography came into play at all? I I don't know. It, it, it's 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 baffling for sure for for me that that pick. I I I don't get it, but. You know, no, yeah, could have been a geography thing. No, it's what do they know that we don't? I agree with you because that was definitely a head scratcher, and you know, again, gets me to my final category here. Speaking of scratching the heads, the things we're going to be locked in on the next seven months as we wait for the season to begin. Most intriguing matches of the weekend, Manny. I'll start with you. What are the matches you want? You're, you know, you're most looking forward to. Hopefully, seeing what's the match you're, you, you know, you're locked in on. Well. For one, Michigan Wake Forest, yeah. of course. Uh, that That's just an absolute banger in the first round. Um, and then I really hope we get North Carolina, Ohio State. Now, that wouldn't be in the first round. That's going to be in the championship match there um, in Chapel Hill. But I am really, really hoping we can get that matchup, you know, for a spot at the national indoors. One of those two teams isn't going to make it, guys. Ohio State, North Carolina Tar Heels, one of them's out. Um, and UNC's at home here so again the Buckeyes have to go on the road and get it done I think that's going to be a fantastic match so Ohio State North Carolina for me hopefully and then of course Wake Michigan those are two that stand out it's always some Big Ten love from you Maddie you're sounding sneaky like a Big Ten fan well Uh, who are those Big Ten teams playing against (laughs) AC that's good that's good hey great touche yeah it's touche is what they say Chris yeah, well, obviously, uh, you know, I'll stick to to my my teams. I'm I love the Duke Liberty match, a rematch from this year uh, that that Duke came away with. Uh, that'll that'll be an interesting one. You know, a couple there a lot of interesting side notes there. Mwamba's now beaten Garrett Johns twice this year, once in the in a college, once in the in a futures tournament this last weekend with the transfer. You know, rebel and and things that were going on at Duke just makes that a really interesting matchup. Um, I am kind of looking forward to a Florida, Florida state match that I assume will be the final in that region. Obviously I don't even have to get into the Michigan wake forest. Uh, I am hoping we get a Kentucky, Mississippi state final in Starkville. Uh, and, and that'll be an interesting one to me. 
I'm also looking forward to a, a, a potential final between USC and Pepperdine. Uh, I think that's going to be a really good match. And then, like Maddie said, yeah, we got to have Ohio State, North Carolina, and hopefully uh, a good North, you know, not a North Carolina that's missing. I'm hoping both Ben and Ranky are back, you know, and that they fill fill the holes elsewhere. But just those, having those two already makes it a competitive match no matter what else is there. So uh, so I'm hoping that we, we've got that. I, and, I, you know, I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what to expect out of the A&M region. We know A&M's losing the top three. We know Arizona loses some guys at the bottom but should still be good. I don't know what to expect out of Tech or UCLA. I mean, UCLA obviously losing the top two for sure. I still just get a feeling that Arizona doesn't just walk away with it. I Like, I think you're eluding, Gruskin. Somebody puts up a fight there. I just don't know who. No, I mean, look, Matt, Matthias Ross, the Virginia Tech number two, he's going to the Aggies, so that's another addition for them. And, you know, again, there's a lot of transfers across the board. We still don't know who's going to end up where. We still really don't know what these teams are going to end up looking like come January. But, again... There's an ITA kickoff weekend draft. We had to come together and talk about it. Those are the initial thoughts. With that in mind, it's rapid fire through a couple of other things down the home stretch of this podcast. We're going to go over 940. I apologize, but not by much, folks. Not by much. Uh, let's start with a game of does it matter. I'm going to list some transfers. Come to you guys. You tell me if you think it's going to matter, significantly impact the 2021 season. Westoff, give me some sort of game show. Does it matter sound effect, please? All right, yeah, welcome in, everyone. Welcome in to Does It Matter? We've got two contestants with you today coming from somewhere ambiguous in North Carolina. Not exactly location, not exactly clear. It's Matt the Cracks to Koyak. Matty, how are you doing today? Uh, doing great. I'm ready to win this game show here. Awesome. And contestant number two, a repeat contestant. We tried to ask him to leave. We even got a restraining order. Nevertheless, he has lived at this booth the past three months. Chris Halioris. Chris, welcome back to the stage. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Ready to take Maddie down. Let's All go. right. I like it. You're taking each other down. In reality, it's going to be like you guys saying the same thing. But with that exactly. in mind, yeah, <laughs> let's start the clock. I'm just going to go from top to bottom. You tell me if it matters. Bullard to Arizona State. Does it matter or no? Rapid fire, Matt, then Chris. No. In the grand scheme of things, I, I say no. Not a huge impact. Well, we already disagree. Of course it matters. I mean, they need him. I mean, <laughs> I get, Maddie's point is, does it matter in terms of does it make them like a contender? No, but it matters to them because with what they're losing, they need him. So uh, so from that perspective, I say to their prospects in the Pac-12, yeah, it matters. He's a, he's an, He will be an impact player on the team. Chris wins for nuance, but Westoff, give a point to Matt. Uh, so Matt leads 1-0. All right, we'll go to transfer number two. Ross to Texas A&M, as I mentioned. Kind of matters. Again, yeah. to yeah, me, I'm, I'm going to no. say no because big picture, this isn't a guy. I watched him closely at Virginia Tech. It's not going to change the landscape of the SEC or anything like that. So in the grand scheme of things, I'm going to say not a major impact. No. Yeah, and I echo my uh, same reasoning for before. Big picture, I agree with Maddie. Yeah, it's not A&M's not a contender. Is he going to be an impact player on the team? Yeah, he's going to play. I mean, they they need him, uh, so so he'll play. But uh, but yeah, A and M's just they're not going to be that top three type team in the SEC like we were thinking this year. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. You guys brought him up, Hamish Stewart. Does he matter transferring to Georgia? Grand scheme of things, Maddie. 
that one I say yes because he he is an impact player that'll come in immediately and just add depth to that lineup. Uh, Georgia is a contender in the SEC, a hundred percent. He makes a big difference, singles and doubles. Yes. Yep, absolutely. Top ten team. You get a guy that's going to be you know in all likelihood playing in the top four in your lineup. Uh, as a you know a starter in the top four on a top 10 team absolutely that matters mm-hmm. no absolutely that's a big one let's talk now again uh Jakob Schneider from Azua Pacific transferring to Wake Forest uh, he was the Pac West player of the year 2019 I'll start with you Maddie Yes, no, kind of matters on the outskirts, but depth's not an issue for Wake Forest. It's not, and that's why I'm going to say no here. Again, it doesn't completely change the outlook of Wake Forest. They still have depth anyway. They've got other players of a similar caliber. So for me, it's not a major impact signing. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Chris? I I have to get a point for this one, Gruskin, because this one will matter in the number two and three teams that should be playing between Wake Forest and SMU on that kickoff weekend. Uh, and that's the only part <laughs> that's going to matter. But but both of those guys have like 20-man rosters. They should have courts uh, matches on the out, you know, the, the outer courts being played while the real ones are being played at the same time. But yeah, no, it, 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 is it going to matter? No. Point to Chris. You guys know. You guys know. There's plenty of courts in Winston Salem. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's what I say. They're. I mean, they're gonna. They have to play. You know. Hey, the next six, you guys just go out and play there, and the next six after that, you go play another match too. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, all fair points. Well, then let's get to the big ones now. Aguilar A and M to TCU. I know this is an obvious one. How much does it matter? What category does this put TCU in for you, Maddie? Uh, Are they title contenders straight up? Yes, 100%. Yes, they are. And this guy makes a difference in singles and in doubles. Again, to me, he's going to be a top four player in singles. And in dubs, shoot, pair him with anybody. I I think you keep Gray and Famba at one. They're going to be a top team for sure. But put him with anybody else, and he can play two dubs. He can play three dubs. I don't care where you put him. He makes a big impact. Yes, experience, 100%. Chris? Yeah, huge. Uh, and for the same reasons Maddie said, yeah, I think I think we see an Aguilar-Jong pairing uh, at two behind Gray and Famba. Uh, and then those same four guys probably fill uh, the top four spots in the lineup. You got Jirasek at five. I don't know who plays six, but they're, it absolutely makes them a big title contender. When you mentioned Jirasek and not Paralek, that's because Paralek along with Jacob Brum, I believe, are both Baylor Bear bound. Maddie, what does that do for your Baylor Bears? Yeah, it's it's going to be huge. And Cole Gromley as well. There's actually yeah. a third. So yep. all, all three of those, it's important for the depth. Again, we saw what happened last year when Nick, Charlie, Spencer came in. I mean, it made a world of difference. They went all the way to the title. So um, I, I don't, I'm not going to put that kind of pressure on these three. I, I don't think they're going to come in and, and have quite that level of impact. But it's very important for Baylor. They needed some more depth. And these are all guys that are going to come in and play. Chris. Huge. Yeah, the reason I think Baylor is going to be very good. I mean, Gromley probably had a better year of the year before last than he did this this past year. Uh, but but Gromley, Paralek, if we get the pair, I wasn't super impressed with Paralek for the first three quarters of the season. The Paralek that we saw at NCAAs was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if that's the Paralek, you know, if, if that's what shows up in, in Waco, man, oh, man. Uh, I mean, that's these guys i that's i just think that baylor team is going to be much better than people think because they're wanting to just down 
downplay the team given the, what the the guys that they lost at four, five, six. I think they're still going to, you know, they're going to be really, really uh, close to to being able to do what they did. Like Maddie said, no, nah, I'm not going to put finals type expectations, but I fully expect that we're talking like top five ish, you know, give or take a couple spots. We're right in that area. They've mm-hmm. got three All-Americans coming back at the top of the lineup, guys. Yeah. I mean, a- Adrian, Matias, Sven, those guys can play at an elite, elite level. So, I mean, that's the starting point. They just needed the depth, which they lost with all of the grad seniors from last year. But, hey, Coach Woodson got it done. He brought some more guys in, and now they have the depth again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. They had guys. They had guys not playing that were very capable of playing, right? You, you saw Finn Bass in doubles against Florida going, man, how is this guy not playing singles, right? Well, and we know why, but now he's going to get his chance, right? And but uh, but you you have you have him, you have Martinez, you bring in three other guys, and 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 Coach Woodson's back to getting a nice choice of hey, who's got the best form, and he's still playing really good guys at every spot. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, and again. Some other notable ones, Rule the TCU, uh, we had Brum go to Wake Forest as well. Those are all notable. J.J. Mercer going to Kentucky. Uh, but the last one I want to talk about in our final topic before we get into our top 10, oh, Barnaby Smith going to FSU. That was a notable one as well. How about, how about Vassal to Ohio State? Voss, they, well, that gets me to my final topic. I promise I was getting there. Just have faith is that Oklahoma State. Everything that's happening there. And we have the final news. Dustin Taylor officially announced as the head coach of the Oklahoma State men's tennis program. Your boy beat Parsa to the announcement. So shout out to me uh, for shout out to me. We've had it in a couple of weeks. So didn't you just miss those? Um, But in general, yeah. Uh, Votzel, Ohio State. HUD, Tennessee, correct? Right? Emil HUD's going to Tennessee. Yep. And in general now... Is the, do they have two players on the roster? Is it blank? I, I know now they've announced some transfers and they've gotten a couple of people now on the team. They announced, I believe, their first transfer today in Leeton Allen from Texas going over to Oklahoma State. But I'll start with you, Maddie. What do you make of all of the transfers? What do you make of the decision to hire Dustin Taylor, who, for those who don't know, was the associate head coach for the final three Virginia National Championships 2015-17? to 17? Well, First question, the transfers, I mean, look, you're Ohio State and you get a guy like Vossel to come in. I mean, To replace lose, McNally and see Yeah, I mean, you, you couldn't ask for a better situation than that. I mean, that is just, that's ideal for Ty Tucker. So kudos to them for landing that one. And again, a guy like Emil Hud, Tennessee's roster is already very strong. We know they're good at the top. Walton, Monday, those guys are studs. Now HUD can come in and play a little lower in the lineup at Tennessee than what he did at Oklahoma State. I think that only helps him. So those are big. Those are big signings for those schools. And I think DT, you know, Dustin Taylor is going to do a great job. Everybody speaks very highly of him. He has experience with those Virginia teams. You know better than anybody, Gruskin. I mean, that was, um, you know, some of your favorite teams when he was there with, with Coach Bolin. So, I mean, I think he's he's got a lot of work to do. He knew that, though. You know, when he took the job, he knew that he wasn't going to have a roster. He was going to have to build everything up. So he's clearly ready for the challenge. And I think, you know, it's probably not going to be this year. Let's be honest. My expectations for Oklahoma State this year are not going to be very high. But over the next several years, he'll build the program, and they're going to be a contender. The Big 12, look, all six teams in the Big 12 are always good. That's not going to change. I think – 
DT, it's just going to be a little more competitive now. Should be fun. Chris? Yeah, I just, I don't even know. We're obviously going to need a couple months here to even attempt to say what we think is going to happen with Oklahoma State because they don't have a, they can't field a team right now. So, so when you don't have six guys on a team, it's hard to say what what's going to happen. Clearly, they need as many you know transfers as they can get to kick things off, along with you know a, a first recruiting class, if you will. But uh, yeah, I, I'm with Maddie here that there's zero expectation for what they're going to be able to do this year. Uh, I frankly sort of expected a pass from them, so I was surprised they picked. Uh, and then, you know, I suppose it didn't matter where they picked. They were, you know, they were going to be a sitting duck no matter what. So they filled a spot at Texas. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, I think I, I agree with everything else Maddie said. Yeah, it's all fair. I To Maddie's point, I do know Dustin Taylor well. And he is going to fit like a hand in a glove in college tennis. That man knows how to recruit. Man knows how to develop talent. Man knows what it takes to get from the junior and college ranks to the professional realm as well. And of course, he's connected with the USDA. He's in that coaching circle of everyone knows everyone and everyone knows Dustin Taylor and everyone speaks highly of him as well. So particularly given the names that were floating around earlier, this was a slam dunk for Oklahoma State. They got the right guy. The process took a little bit longer. And again, you feel for a guy like Scoville Jenkins who was dealt a really tough hand and made the most of it all season long but no in the end they get certainly a winner in Dustin Taylor that's going to be an interesting thing again for us to monitor over the next few months is how he hits the ground running certainly choosing Texas a bold move by him but with that in mind final exercise here at least we're going to finish before 10 p.m. we've got that going for us fellas but last thing I want to do way too early top 10 rankings. Let's just give it. No thought, no explanation, straight up. I want to hear where you guys are feeling right now, six months before the season starts, about this Division One men's tennis season, about the teams we expect to rock and roll. Chris, I hope you have the spreadsheet up and that we're able to reflect on this a year from now. But with that in mind, let's get into it. I'll go first because I think we're all going to agree on this one. Florida's your preseason number one, correct? Like, they're number one for me. They should have been number one probably in 2019, would have, should have, and I think were our preseason number one in 2020. They started out 2021, or 2022, excuse me, the prohibitive number one team for me, Manny. Yeah, I agree. There, I mean, there's no reason for me to move them away from that spot. Um, I have Florida number one as well. Easy choice. Chris? Yep, same. All right, that was the easy one. Now it gets funky. Again, no explanation. Let's rock and roll. I have Virginia too. What about you, Matt? I'm going to put TCU at, at number two. Um, Virginia, well, I'll get there in a little bit. Um, I'll just I'll stick with uh, the Horned Frogs at number two. I think the additions to their team um, are going to be massive to an already really good team. Again, that is qualitatively an, an excellent pick. That's analytics for you, but I don't need analysis. I need emotion from you all. So, Chris, give me some spice. Can I get a liberty at two from you, please? I- I can't believe you guys are going to make me do this. I'm not going to agree with either one of you, and I'm going to pick the damn team that I picked to lose every stinking match this year, Texas. Yeah. No, they're my number three team. I love that. And it's like <laughs> they add Ciamara, they keep their top four. I don't care if it's Chi-Chi Huang at six. I don't care who it is filling out that final spot, what the doubles combinations look like. This team just knows how to win. 
and they're back. And again, Spaziri, Waldeep will have those guys firing from a leadership perspective. Braswell's only going to get better. I have no problems with you having them at two. They're my number three team. What say you, Maddie? They are my number three team as well. I, I just think there's going to be continued improvement. Texas was so good this past year. They're all going to take a step forward. And a guy like Richie Ciamara coming in there just, ooh, it just adds to the depth. Um, I've got I've got the Longhorns at number three. Chris? I've got Virginia number three. That's fair. And then I think we're all going to get our same top fours because I've got TCU at number four. Bring back everyone. Gray, Famba. You add Jong and you add Aguilar to the mix as well. That's a damn good team, national championship worthy. Certainly, they're my four. What are you at, Maddie? Yeah, we're going to have the same top four. I have Virginia at number four as well. Sure. Chris? So, yeah. Same. I, then, So I've got TCU at four. Awesome. Well, I think we're all going to have this team at five. And you guys were a year too soon on them. I was a year, I, you know, I was a little bit hesitant. And obviously, their season got off to such a bumpy start because of the COVID protocols. I've got Stanford at five. I'm going to pull the trigger there. Everyone's back, including Geller. Everyone's a year more experienced. Ferry, Boyer, who were starting to look better and better as the season went on. I think T- uh, I think Stanford's going to be in the mix. I think this is the year for them, Maddie, not only to be in the mix, but to win the pac 12 championship. Yeah, that's fair. I, I agree with what you're saying, Gruskin. I, I'm not going to put Stanford as my number five team, though. Just at, at this moment right now, what are, we're in June, man. I, I'm not going to go there at this time. I'm going to stick with a more known quantity. Um, I'm going to go with the Tennessee Vols that's at a, number five. It's a very good pick because they bring in some talented recruits and a HUD, and, and they bring in HUD as well. That, that's a great pick. What say you, Chris? Wow. Three different teams. I'm going with what I said earlier. Baylor Bears. I think Baylor's a top yeah, five Yeah, there it is. There it is. I've got Baylor at five. All right, be honest. You responded to Woodson's text. You don't just blink twice if I'm telling the truth here, Chris. Can you I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> uh, well, Baylor's my sixth team. Like, let's be clear. They're just outside the top five for me. And it, I think this is where tier two begins. Well, tier three, because Florida's on a tier of their own. Then I think UVA, Texas, TCU, all really, really freaking good. And then I get to this Stanford, Baylor, Tennessee three-team tier where they can beat anyone on the right day. And like if things break right for them, particularly Baylor, like Baylor and Tennessee, I think as well, like they can win national championships. And those seven are where my seven, like my line is right now. But I have Baylor six, Tennessee seven. What say you, Maddie? Yeah, so we're close. I also have Baylor number six, just on the outside of the top five right now. Baylor at six for me and Stanford at number seven. Yeah, so again, same seven teams in our top seven. I think those are the seven to beat, Chris. What say you? Yeah, same seven. So I had Baylor five. I've got Tennessee six and Stanford seven. Yeah, I feel like Tennessee's too low at seven. I'm starting to regret that. But I'm just like looking above and I'm saying, who do I bump? I think I'm ready to be in on Stanford. I'll take the mantle from you guys from here. Um, But again, those are the top sevens. Now things get funky. Georgia at eight because why not? But like maybe that should be South Carolina after watching the kickoff weekend draft. What say you, Maddie? Yeah, I've got Georgia there. Um, and, and you're right. Maybe it is South Carolina, but at this moment, I, I can't go there yet. Um, Georgia was – look, Georgia made the quarterfinals just a month ago. We were there. We saw them in Orlando. Um, the addition of a couple of really good players, Stewart, McCormick, we talked about them. I've got Georgia at number eight. 
They're an absolute contender in the SEC. Christopher? I've got them there, too. Yeah, again, consensus. Not a lot of thought needed. Number nine, we all are saying the Buckeyes? Yeah, I am. Yep. I am. So now You lose McNally, but you gain Vossel. I mean, I just think that's such a good pickup when you lose a guy like McNally, the importance of filling that spot, and, and they did it. I mean, with a proven guy... That's a top 10 talent in college tennis. Ohio State, come on. I mean, yeah, they're they're going to be top 10 worthy for sure. Here's the thing. Votzel replaces McNally, but Selig means Boulay's got to have a good year. The Boulay pull from the lineup when we're not feeling it is no longer a luxury they have. Like, they need him next year. And barring them pulling one more transfer, which we've heard rumored, and we're not going to talk about rumors here, but barring that transfer happening... Uh, that that's the interesting one. But again, now we get to number 10. Here are my finalists for the 10 spot. I imagine you guys are going to pick one of these teams. Kentucky, South Carolina, UNC, USC, Illinois, Arizona, Wake Forest, Michigan, maybe an Ivy League team, and because it's Chris, maybe Liberty. Those are your nominees for that number 10 spot. I'll start with you, Maddie. Who are you going with? Yeah, those are good choices. I mean, I think all of those teams are going to be somewhat in the mix, you know, top 20 teams or whatever. Um, But out of all of those, I'm going to pick South Carolina. I just, we talked about them a little bit earlier. They bring everyone back except for Thomas Brown. Um, And when you can get a guy like Story to come in there, it just, again, it adds to their depth. They were a really good team this past year and and I I think they're going to be even better. They were already knocking on the door of top 10 I think they're there this year. I've got South Carolina number 10. Chris? Yeah, I'm I'm with Maddie. I've got South Carolina 10. Good team this year. You add story. And honestly, it was a bad year for Raphael Lambling. So yeah. uh, so let, let's get, uh, you know, the prior Lambling back in form, add story, and he, much, much better team to a team that was already really good. Mm-hmm. I'll take Liberty. Uh, yes. Great coaching staff, Schwant, Fauche, those are my guys. Um, I'll take Michigan. No. Come on, we know you're, right. I was going to say we could fill it in for you. It's Michigan at 10, right? It's really early. No, no, I'll take the Gamecocks because I don't want to sound like an idiot, and you guys are right, and I don't like disagreeing with you guys when you are right, and so... Well, your vote, Gruskin, for Michigan at 10 wouldn't have made a difference in a yeah. poll anyway. You would have <laughs> yeah, had to yeah. put him out like eight to yeah. actually get some points right. there. So Iris you're out Georgia. anyway. Georgia has been removed from the lineup, and we're yeah. going to put Liberty there. Um, yeah, you, you screwed up by not putting Michigan above 10 if you were going to do it because by the time we got to 10, Matt and I were going to give the same yep. answer no matter what to make sure that Michigan didn't make it in. Well, let me be very clear. When we do this again for the preseason poll to, to figure out what coaches we want to interview, Steiny's going to be on the list. I can just – we can pencil that one in now. Um, no, it's just – it'd be nice to get Goffey on the pot. I don't think we've had him yet. And so – I have no problem with South Carolina, your early preseason 10. But again, that's your preseason rankings. Do you have them all run? You've got, you've got the numbers for us, Chris, the early ones. I imagine Florida's our number one. Man, I, didn't, I, I wrote them down. I didn't, so I can, I can look at it right here and go Florida is one. I feel like UVA is going to be two. What did you say? Because we both have you. Oh, no, we all disagree on number two. We have a, let's see, Virginia's got a two, a three, and a four. Texas has a two, a three, and a 
three. I missed some. Uh, who did Maddie? Maddie, who did you have it? Two. TCU. And so Virginia was your four. Correct. Okay. All right. So. I think yeah, they're so all Virginia's tied for two, third. Three, yeah. Texas, Texas is. Uh, Texas is. is Leave two. all of this in, West Stuff. This is what it sounds like. This is podcasting at its finest, folks. Yep. Tech. Texas is two, mm-hmm. and then Virginia three, TCU four. Okay. And then that, then it's Stanford, Baylor, Tennessee in some order. Again, same deal. That's your next three. And then I can tell you it's Georgia eight, Ohio State nine, South Carolina ten. Yeah, the question Baylor, is where the- <laughs> Baylor five. Okay. Then Tennessee six and Stanford seven. Ten. Tennessee 6, Stanford 7, and then, yeah, Georgia, Ohio State, South Carolina. So, again, it's Florida, Texas, UVA, TCU, Baylor, Tennessee, Stanford, Georgia, Ohio State, South Carolina. That's where we're at. Way, way, way too early here approaching the 2022 season. But, again, really fun time to be a college tennis fan. It feels like we have an offseason that's going to be jam-packed for the first time in quite a bit of time. And, of course, there's so much going on across the tennis world. If you've missed out on any of the action, you can catch up on it all on the website, CrackRackets.com. You need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at CrackRackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at GreatShotPod. A shout-out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel West stuff for the f- of an any job they do day in day out a shout out as well to our friends at uh turn of tennis just remember call uh 800-554-3707 or contact sales at unique sports.com with that in mind maddie any final thoughts well i i feel like since we recorded this that we should be able to watch some college tennis like this weekend <laughs> tomorrow. or next week yeah. like tomorrow or something so what's going on i would say that i'm i'm very excited about these matches and everything but then i think about it we got to wait till january so eh, who cares whatever um you know it's it's fun stuff but now we got to wait so uh we'll get there eventually patience is a virtue manny uh, chris any final thoughts Nah, I. I mean, I, I guess I'll just wait for the for the rest of the the transfer portal, uh, you know, musical chairs wheel to to continue here during the uh, off season and. And that'll be the best fun we're going to have for a couple months. Mm-hmm. No, and again, two coaches who have listened from start to finish. I promise Chris and I are going to start responding to texts over these next few weeks. But no, there is plenty of fun action. And before we know it, the summer circuit events will be upon us. The fall majors will be upon us. And then we'll be rocking and rolling like college tennis was never gone. Uh, but again... In the meantime, plenty of pro action taking place. We're covering it all on the website, CrackedRackets.com. With that in mind, for my wonderful co-hosts, Matt the Cracks Tekoia, Chris Haliors, our super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Turn of Tennis, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Gentlemen, what do we tell the people? Hey. Hey. Great shot. Great shot. And now we go into hibernation for a little longer. We will see you all soon. Thanks, everyone. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.